Before we kick this show off, let's hear a word from our sponsors. So it's been a full season for the Under Pressure Outdoors crew in the Hasmore Outdoor Products Silent Seat. And let me tell you, they're worth every penny. And here are some reasons why. Number one, you can't beat the comfort level. Number two, they don't hold in moisture like rain or sweat. Number three, they completely fold out of the way when you stand up, giving you a full range of motion in your climber. And number four, they cut down on your setup and breakdown times dramatically. Don't just take our word for it. Use offer code UPO15 and get 15% off your silent seat and many other U.S.-made accessories for your climber today. You can find Hasmore Outdoor Products on Facebook and hasmore.net. That's H-A-Z-M-O-R-E dot net. And in the link in this podcast description. I'm your host, Will Krebs, and this is the Under Pressure Outdoors Podcast. Oh, well. It's all right. It happens. I, Chris called me the other day when we were hunting. And uh, I texted him back and said, I'm in the stand. I'll call you back. I'm still yet to call him back. I just realized it. <laughs> like last weekend? Yeah. Very good. <laughs> it's almost been like a week. I know. I've been busy, man. But yeah, no, you got to stay on top of them dang group permits. And like I told AJ, I said, sorry, bud. Can't, can't have you applying with us no more. You're dragging us down. We got a couple snot. Bro, do you have a memory card in that thing? Mm-hmm. Okay, I was going to say there's a memory card in the laptop. I got a snipe hunt next week. Is it next week? Mm-hmm. Going on it? Mm-hmm. Is it Wednesday? Yep. Took day off work. Nice. So, we'll see how that turns out. Ah, oh, son of a bitch. What? Maybe I applied earlier, but I, don't, I think I, speaking of preference points, I always put in for preference points in Wyoming. Last day to put in was October 31st. Oh, dang. Do you I'll, lose your points? I don't think so. I hope not. What are you putting in for preference points for? Mainly um, antelope. Because the idea that as a non-resident, you're going to draw Wyoming moose or, I mean, it's possible to get elk. You might get muley, but... For the amount of time as an old man, well, actually, if I've just learned that as I was driving around in the state of Washington, I could have collected at least half a dozen mule deer with my rent-a-car had my (laughs) wife and brother-in-law not been with me. I had a monster mule deer in the sights coming out of Canada. (laughs) <laughs> on the American side of the border, man. We came around a turn, and there's a mule deer sitting out there, big as a horse, stand, just standing broadside in the road. And I'm, and I, and I, and, and, and Michelle's like, you hear, you, you feel the, the pasture side break. <laughs> 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 and that sucker didn't move. And I, and I knew, because I was having all the, you know, and, and, and my brother in law was like, what were you going to do? And I was like, I, I was, 
I was genuinely thinking about knocking that mule deer over. And he's like, but you direct a rent a car. I'm like, my credit card picks up my my deductible. Insurance, baby. Yeah. And he's like, but what were you going to do with it? I was like, I hauled it to the hotel, spent the night cleaning it up. We'd be driving around with a mule deer. I'm like, pretty much. We'd be out getting a lot of ice. <laughs> right? I was yeah. like, like, he. I think he thought I was kidding. I was like. If y'all weren't in the car, that mule deer was going down, man. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so. uh, oh, problem is, you would have just had to dang cap it, and I guess you could have done a. Uh, dude, I was just in it for the meat. It, dude, it, it was a monster. I mean, no, when I say monster mule deer. I'm talking about the size, not the rack or anything. Oh. It was just it had a rack on it, but I mean, it wasn't. I mean, it wasn't something, you know, some eight or what they call them out there, five by five or four by four rack. It was just a mule deer. But compared to the whitetails we're used to looking at around here in Florida, this thing doesn't take much to make it compared to that. That's like apples to oranges. Yeah. Yeah. Well, then. Oh. Saw. I'm I'm telling you, I saw dozens. More like apples to cherries. Dozens. I did get the, uh, I got the official score back on my buck last weekend. 104 and 5 eighths. Nice deer. Beauty. Saw some. Uh, so I guess that technically, genetically, I guess that blacktail, Sitka black, not Sitka, Columbia blacktails and mule deer are actually the same species. Easy now, Jim. Don't get people fired up. Yeah. I'm just talking about genetics, not like things that matter. <laughs> At any rate, but when you see them, like the coloring's the same, but when you look at a mule deer in, in mule deer area versus when you get way further west and you run into the what you call a blacktail, the blacktail has a much more sleeker coat, looks a lot like a whitetail, except it has a blacktail. And small, if it's got a rack, it's got a little basket rack. Where the mule deer looks a little bit more, I don't know, man, not as well put together, let's say, <laughs> not not as well kept, yeah. but much larger. And and the coolest thing is watching the mule, when a mule deer finally does bound away. Because, man, you, I've they seen a few. Like they, they look like they bounce on their tippy toes. Yeah. Boing, boing, but boing. as far as cars go, I've seen whitetail stand in there for a little while. I'm the mule deer I saw. I think would have would have just stared into your glass right into, stared you in the eye right until you were nose to nose with him. Could have run. I could have run. I easily could have. I could have racked up, man. I could. What were you driving? Uh, um, was it an actual car? Or no, an Toyota. SUV? No, big SUV. Oh, what's the big one? Toyota yeah. Sequoia? Oh, oh yeah, yeah. done it. Yeah. yeah, that's perfect to hit one with. I. You might even you. be able to hit it and kept going. No, no I, I, I was just looking to knock the thing over. I don't want to bruise the meat up too bad. <laughs> um, she was going to get it, get out and wrestle with it after he knocks it over. My, my brother-in-law and wife would just not have, have put up with that. Um, <laughs> Did I ever tell you about the time I saw a truck dragging a deer down the road? <laughs> no. I was sitting at a red light um, at, at Fort Campbell, Kentucky, and I see this truck coming down the highway towards me. And I'm like, something looks strange. And I can't place why something is just wrong about this car coming towards me. And as it goes past, I realize there's a deer underneath of it with the hoof caught in like the. Uh, Somewhere in the undercarriage. In the undercarriage, just dragging it down the road. 
Dude, we saw some deer out there. And then there. I got out behind him. I'm like honking the horn. And then the deer just, whoa, half of it slides out. I'm like, okay, we'll just get on out of here then. <laughs> we we saw some deer out there. Because I'm sure that if they stood in for us, they're standing in for semis. We saw some deer out there that clearly got just splattered, out, displaced. Like one minute the deer's there, the next the deer is everywhere, man. Pink I mist. Mean, <laughs> holy cow. Not not like you see deer laying on the floor side of the road in Florida. I'm talking about just disintegrated. Just, yeah. I you know, I look at I saw that guy go by, I'm like, how do you not feel that? How do you just Oh, I think it? they do. I'm talking these are mountain so you're No, I'm there. talking about when he's dragging that deer down the road, I'm like, I know you've got to feel that when you're driving. Like feel the deer dragging underneath the truck and you're not thinking, hmm, maybe something's not right. So this is another Washington story. You get out there and you're you're bebopping through the mountain roads and you'll see the you'll see certain areas that'll say uh, deer crossing or elk crossing or even this is cool, sheep crossing next four miles. But then every now and again, you get into a place where it'll be, it'll have three orange flags sticking out on top of it. It says deer crossing next four miles, high kill area. And then below that, a tally on the number of deer that have been killed there this year. (laughs) (laughs) We need one of those on every single deer crossing sign. If, If I had, do you get a certificate if you get the new high score when you go through there? If I had taken it, if I had paid better attention, or if I knew, if I knew then, what I know now. And my wife said, "Well, we're going to go to a cruise to Alaska, and you can drive around Washington." I'd have been like, "Fine, I'm taking a shotgun, and I'm going to find some place to lock it up out there." Because while I was just driving around Washington, we saw turkey. I don't know if turkey season was open, but waterfowl season's open, and apparently, they are not the hardened hardcore waterfowlers that we have here in Florida because I'd roll up on a lake and there'd be geese and I'm talking lake out in the middle of nowhere right because there, there's not that much water out there or there, or there actually there's a ton it's huge you'd roll up on, on, on the edge of a lake and it's just full of, of, of geese and, and I walk right up to them I'm like holy cow you missed a real opportunity you can take seven birds out there there was just mallards uh, I, I don't know, all kinds of ducks everywhere, coots, and all within, I mean, I didn't try to get out there and stalk them, and I don't know, I didn't look up like how far off the road you have to be, hmm. but it would not have taken an enormous amount of of stealth to have snuck up on them ducks and, and put, a, put a hurting on them, <laughs> put two, three in the water, right? I was like, man, I gotta, I gotta drive the gator tracks out here. <laughs> then I thought about that. I was like, well, for the fuel costs, no, I think you're better off flying out there and paying a guide just to use his boat. But there were in, we could have had turkeys, deer, mule deer. I didn't see any elk, but and ducks, ducks, geese, everywhere. I'll say, shortly after we had Mike on, it was a few weeks ago. He went out and had a pretty good duck hunt. Yeah. Not too long after that. Mike, yes, I was going to say, Mike's one of those people. I don't know. Is Mike from Washington? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I believe so, yeah. But they, he duck hunts elk, bear, all of it. Yeah. It's a it's a wacky statement. Uh, they, he said his elk tag are over the counter, but it, it's just a 
bear to try and kill one. No pun intended. Probably. And I'll bet that where the elks, where we saw the elk crossing signs are, um, you you probably want to bring ropes with you. I, I did not see an easy way to the top of those mountains. Um, we, uh, the, the far west side of the state saw tons of birds, um, all National Wildlife Refuge area. But then you got other areas that are very, very mountainous. Like you think, I mean, mountains like you read about. And then the south east part of the state is what I referred to as the Great Wheat Desert. I mean, talking about farms, that if you were to probably go up and pull up on the guy and ask, hey, man, how much land do you own? I'm not kidding. This isn't the slightest bit of an exaggeration. That guy might very well say, as far as you can see in every direction. And I'm telling you, as far as you can see in every direction was nothing but wheat. Driving for two hours, nothing but wheat. Rolling hills, if you haven't picked it up, of nothing, nothing but wheat. <laughs> I mean, so we looked it up. There's the amount of wheat. There's more acres in wheat than there are acres in Connecticut. Did you uh, did you happen to see the uh, immense amount of wheat out in Washington when you <laughs> I saw were there? Some wheat. <laughs> yeah, and it, it is strangely beautiful, but uh, it's the southeast part of the state. A lot of scrub. There, you could, like unfortunately, ninety two percent of the sage is gone. So they used to have a huge sage grass population, and now they're endangered in the state. Mm. That's a sad story. Um, the. But then in the central part of the state where you've got the Columbia and the Grand Coulee Dam, um, I tried to take some pictures of it and I even posted a few to Facebook, man, but you can't, it doesn't even do close to justice. The distances, you know what you think you're looking at the far side of maybe a river and a riverbank. No, man, that's, that's two miles away. And that's the difference in the tectonic plate that you're standing on and the, and the tectonic plate that's on the other side of the river. Is that the Sierra Nevadas? Uh, man, that's a good question. No, so in Washington, that would have been, we would have been east of the Cascades at that oh, point. That's right. So the that's Olympias, right. we had great weather. When we were in Seattle, yeah. if you looked west, you were looking at the Olympias, drove all around there, the whole Forks thing, and then uh, east is the Cascades. But uh, I have not Sierra hunted Nevada out there. south of there. That's in California. Yeah. yeah. But I would, I'd go back out there. I, I, you know, it's like anything else but uh changing gears a little bit if you're talking about the crazy adventures of the last month oh you know you want to go to washington hunt mike wants us to come out there and do a bear hunt with him cool i mean i've, I've got connections in washington that have been trying to drag us out there to hunt for a while i, I take that up yeah i also uh recently I think you could freelance out there without any problems i think you could I, I bet you could do some door knocking out there without too much problem. also recently just got a uh my wife was saying there's a gentleman, I don't know his name, um, but he's the husband of one of the ladies in her bow group. They bought a bunch of property up in like way on the Canada border, U.S. Canada border in Michigan in the UP. You know, like nice. 60 acres. Nice. Wants to come up there and hunt. Ain't been. They got a lot of grouse and deer and I was like, Phew. <laughs> they're right on the lake. <laughs> I'm chuckling because 
And I, I mean, I, I when mean, I say the lake, I mean the lake. Yeah. The only one? Yeah. No. Superior, I think. Oh, oh. Yeah. The, the lake. lake. You ain't water skiing on that sucker. I was chuckling at grouse because for those that listen regularly, you notice that I've been absent. And that's because uh, some scheduling conflicts my wife and I had by me booking a trip to Maine. My buddy Roman Hammes, attorney and under pressure outdoors advertiser, Roman Hammes, to go walk around the North Maine woods looking for grouse and came back from that. And then my wife took me to Alaska. And from there, we drove around Maine. No, not Maine. Washington, Idaho, and British Columbia with a little foray into what's south of Washington? Oregon. Oregon. But uh, anyway, when Roman and I went to North Maine Woods, we went the same weekend that I went three years ago. But it was amazing how it's just a little bit warmer. So all the le- all the leaves are still on the tree. When when I went up there with Steve Christian and some other guys three years ago, um, we were waking up and it'd be sub freezing, and while we were there, we were watching just leaves pouring off the trees. Man, the extra leaf cover made it really hard, and the grouse weren't coming out to the roads and things like that that like they were coming out when when I was up there before, and their numbers were down because there wasn't as much rain. So we did a lot more driving around. But what's funny about it, we're driving along. Boom, we come across to grouse. When I say driving, it's not like driving on a main road. You're driving on two tracks, right? And uh, the grouse in the road, almost ran the damn thing over. Roman and I come piling up. We go out in the woods. There's a grouse walking away. Boom, Roman drops the grouse. I'm like, great. And it was my turn. Um, we spent the next three days driving around, and I was so damn snake bit. Like, we get out. And the grouse would step into the woods. Just poof, we'd both be kicking around. Um, we would be driving along, uh, all of a sudden, like giving up for the day, hauling ass down a road, and all of a sudden there'd be grouse poof, taking take off into the trees. I would flush them. Roman would kill them. <laughs> so we get out of the last day. Roman's got like five grouse. I ain't shot a one. <laughs> <laughs> well, I finally killed one. Um, killed a boot. I killed a huge grouse, the biggest grouse I ever seen. Uh, and that was just before we saw the moose. But I was really thrilled to have Roman out there. And then at one point, to top off my my great hunting skills, we hop out and I tear apart this beaver dam, uh, so we can get across this road. This beaver dam it started encroaching on the two track, so all the waters. It's anyway, and we stop and uh, I, I you know I turn around. I, actually, I'm in the truck and I look in the rearview mirror, and then I see this uh, hair, loping away from us. I'm like, "Holy crap!" You know, me and rabbits, and I'm out of the thing, looking at the shotgun, and it crosses the road, and it comes back, and it goes down in this uh, briar area. So we're stomping around in the briar area, hoping to shoot it. Nah, nothing. We go walking back to the truck. We're sitting in the truck, and I turn around. And I'm telling you that stupid hair is loping down the road again from no, no further from me to the, to the American flag over there in the corner, about 10 feet, about 10 feet, right? It's so damn close. And we're like, Holy shit. Got, I only got two in the chamber in the, uh, in the 20 gauge Threw the gun up shot, right. I mean, shot right over the top of the rabbit's head to the point where you see, I might, I might've parted his hair, right? <laughs> the, the, the dirt beneath it. Keeps loping. I'm like, geez, take a sex shot. Same damn thing. And 
I'm not kidding. Ro- Roman, who is a little bit to my left, Roman killed that thing four feet in front of me. <laughs> <laughs> but I took it home. <laughs> so Roman, I took Roman on a fine hunting trip up in Maine <laughs> and drove him all over the North Maine woods. But uh, you guys see any bear? No bear, but moose. We saw at least half a dozen moose, and that's that's actually a lot. And um, the whole reason I'm rambling about that is I, that is an experience. Let's face it, man. We're all hurting for time. We're all hurting for money. Um, but that is an experience that can be done. It's an East Coast experience that is as backwoods as you you want to make it. And it does not cost very much money to fly into Portland. Or if you want, fly into Bangor. You can find really cheap flights. You can rent four-wheel drive pickup trucks up there. I would hope so. It's hard to rent a four-wheel drive, period. Yeah. But you can rent four-wheel drive pickup trucks. Or probably four-wheel, you know, I'd, I'd go with the pickup, but... And then it's up to you, man. If you, the, man, the hotels or you, you can rent little cabins up there. I think that Roman and I split a cabin for eighty bucks a night. But if you wanted to, if you wanted to, cost you both eighty bucks a night or split no, it at eighty I bucks mean, a night. I mean, split it at eighty bucks a night. So forty dollars a piece. Yeah. Oof. Sunday's Blue Law Day, so you want to fly on Sunday. Yeah. But you could fly up there. Spend one day traveling, and you can get so you got you need two days to travel, and you're hunting the rest of the days. So what and is Blue Law Day? Can't hunt on Sundays. Can't hunt Sundays. Oh, oh, yeah, yeah. Same like North Carolina. Yep, but you you don't have to have with Onyx and and then the maps that they give you out there. Just drive, and we I'm telling you, man, we drove. We would drive all day. We we would be in the woods at seven o'clock in the morning. And we would drive all the way to sunset, just driving around, doing some walking, but mainly just driving around from one end to the other. See two cars, tops. Yeah. You're just out in the woods. And to be able to see the tremendous, I mean, just that much woods. There's more woods in, there's more woods in the North Main woods than there is wheat in <laughs> in Washington, but still the, the North Maine woods is bigger than the state of Connecticut. So take the entire state of Connecticut and that's your, that's your playland. You check in. I feel like Connecticut's pretty big, but evidently it's not three times the size of Delaware. Talk about, I'm talking about an entire state, the size of Connecticut. It's not that big, but an entire state, the size of Connecticut where you can drive for hours and and from end to end. And it's all woods, all of it. No towns. You don't. You don't hear a lot of people. No gas uh, stations. Comparing the size of things to uh, Connecticut. Usually, it's Rhode Island, or Connecticut's bigger. Yeah, I know Connecticut's bigger yeah. than Rhode Island. That it, it, everything is bigger than Rhode Island. Yeah. <laughs> so we we drove all the way to Quebec. <laughs> oh, here's pretty cool. So we we start out. If you get in a map, you want to follow along at home. Pull up Allagash, Maine, uh, and that's roughly where we went in. And then if you go all the way to the very northwest corner, I'm talking the very, very northwest corner, there's actually a border crossing there. So by car, if you just hammer, it's two hours through nothing but dirt roads 
to get to this border crossing. And we roll up and there's the whole the gates are down and everything else. And uh, we pull up to the gate, expecting the gate to go up. Nothing. And we're waiting. We're looking online. We're like, yeah, it says it's open. We're standing there. And like We've sat there probably for 20 minutes. And I start backing up and all of a sudden the gate goes up. I was like, oh, maybe I tripped something. And then this dude who'd clearly been taking a nap. <laughs> I'm talking. Bushy, the hair's all batted over, right? You know, bleary-eyed. <laughs> he comes out. He's like, what What are you doing here? It's like, we want to go to Maine. Or we want to go to Quebec. And he goes, why? Like that. Like this This is the border crossing guy. He's like, why? He's like, well, And we go, we, go, we want to go over and have a beer. And he goes, I don't even know if they have any beer in that town. <laughs> so we're like, well, we're going to go try to find beer. And he's like, you got any guns with you? Like, no, we hit them in the woods. And he's like, well, you could have you could have declared them and been okay. And I'm like, well, they're in the woods. So uh, did you really hide them in the woods? We did because oh. it's Canada, man. Yeah, and Canada's rest by Trudeau and they're like, you know. So, but you can actually, you can just declare your shotguns and fill out a form and you're okay. Um, better to do it in advance, but it's not a problem. Right. So then- uh, you drive through the gate and now you're in Canada and you drive for like a mile and a half down this road. And on the side of the road, there's a, there's customs. But like, if we wanted to, we could have blown right through that. The customs lady was outside on the phone, like talking on her cell phone and we could have driven right by. I don't think she'd given us a second look. (laughs) So we, we pull in and we're like, uh, we, we want to go into Canada. Shit. you not. She goes, why (laughs) not like state your purpose she's like why and we're like we want to go have a beer she's like uh you got any guns with you we're like no we we know we can't bring them into canada and she's like well you could have declared them like yeah we we learned that and um he's like you sure you have no gun no pistols we're like "No, no pistols and she's like all right uh hold on and she comes back and you hand you hand them the passports and then we're like hey man can you stamp the passports and she's like she, then she was like, yeah, I didn't. You want them stamped? Like, sure. She brings us a little Canada stamp. And then I learned that every place that you sta- you pass in Canada, it's actually not you just get a Canada passport sticker. It's actually border crossing specific. And what sucks is my passport expires in like three months. Because if I'd known that, I'd be, I'd be loaded up with Canada stamps. <laughs> Each one's different. So uh, that was kind of cool. So we went in and we drove around this little town that, don't ask me the name of it because I can't pronounce it. It's like Pognac. Uh, didn't see a single word in English. Not one. Until we came back in and it said, like, entering the United States. So I think it's the only English word this entire town. We pull up to a Catholic church with a brewery attached to it. <laughs> I'm not kidding, man. I mean, I don't mean like. When I mean attached, I don't mean like in the parking lot. I mean attached. And it wasn't like we remodeled a Catholic church that's no longer. This is a functioning like mass on Sunday and Wednesday, brewery in the back, Catholic church. Fish on Fridays, yeah. beer on Saturdays. <laughs> yeah. And it had it was actually a nice restaurant. It was a nice brewery. We walked in there in our hunting goods and uh, everybody's speaking like deep French. And as you can imagine, we walked in there and the whole place just weren't looked at us and went back to talking and the uh the maitre d comes up in french and says something to us so we i have no idea what he said and i just said uh parlez-vous english and he's like english i'm like yeah that and he kind of frowns a little he's like 
yeah. <laughs> what, what would you like? He's very polite, but his grasp of English, he was way better than my grasp of French, but you could tell this is a guy in Quebec that does not get a chance to exercise his English very often. Right. And we went in there, had a couple of local beers, but the guy, the guy at the border who was on the American side on Friday, so we were up there about 3 o'clock in the afternoon. He's like, you got to be back by 3.30 or something. It was really short. And and we looked up because they're like, but it says you guys are closed. You guys don't close until 5. He's like, yeah, but we have to be closed 30 minutes before the Canadian side or something like that. I, mean, I think he was just making things up, man. I think because the dude was asleep when we got there. Right. I think he just wanted to go back to – I think he just wanted to go home. Right? So – and I asked him, I was like, "Where? how do you get to work? He goes, on the hard road. And I was like, the hard road? He goes, yeah, man, I just come up through Canada. So this guy crosses the border, someone way well east of where we saw him and drives through Canada to get to work at his American work location. But I'll bet that that dude don't see, but I, I got the feeling that guy doesn't see anybody come through that gate. He says, you're the first ever. person I've seen all week. Yeah. <laughs> Might have been. Um because he he was absolutely shocked that we were there, and uh, but that's a neat experience that I probably won't be able to duplicate someplace else. Where you go to an honest to god border crossing in the twenty first century, like what are you doing here, right? Oh, yeah. <laughs> so was a Canadian beer worth the crap? It was. It was a good beer, man. It was. Uh, it was just we just had a local lager. We only had one because we didn't have time, and we were you know set to go out and you know go shoot more stuff or try to shoot more stuff roman did uh so i flushed up a couple more <laughs> but it, it, it was just a great experience and, and the thing i want to really come back to is that is a trip i think round trip your airfare well you got to talk pay for the bag for the gun i think round trip your airfare is probably 200 maybe 250 and we rented that pickup truck pretty damn reasonably. I think the pickup truck cost us four, five, four hundred bucks for a four wheel drive pickup truck. And then, I mean, you'd probably end up having to pay for another bag if you really wanted to take a tent. You probably want to sleep in the pickup truck without some kind of coverage because it, it could be very rainy and it, it can get pretty chilly. But I mean, we just drove back to a cabin and I think the cabin cost us 80 bucks a night. How much is the hunting license? Man, for small game license, thirty bucks. Nine man. No. Right? If you want a bear, throw another hundred bucks on it. But um, you know, we didn't have moose tags. Of course we were covered up in moose. Saw them every day. Every day we saw moose. And they are impressive. Um, put a few videos on Facebook. I think you guys saw those. If you get a tag, you won't see any. I don't know, man. They're 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 relatively common. You go find some water in the evening, and you might find some moose out there. I, you saw the video that I posted; that thing was out there. And then once it saw us, it was like, "Whoa!" But they they were not super perceptive. Um, I told you three years ago, I had a, a, a bull walk right up on me because I think my fat ass bouncing down the mountain, breaking limbs. Bull's probably like, "Well, that's got to be a moose." Right? <laughs> <laughs> walk right up to me, and I, it wasn't until I tried to whip my camera up to get a picture of a point blank range that he turned around and ran through some trees and I couldn't believe it. Like big talking about, you know, three, four inch around trees. He ran through there and those trees just went, <laughs> 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 funny. but 
that is a trip that anybody listening to this podcast, you don't, I mean, you're not talking about someday I want to go. Well, a little bit of pre-planning. You make it happen next year. You start setting aside your change. You can make yeah. that happen. And I would, I've, the three years ago, we went the second weekend. I went the second weekend in October. I would probably look at the weekend before Halloween. Uh, reason being is when we once we started chatting with the locals, they said, no, 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 man, it's hot and it's a little early. But if you wait a little bit and once the leaves fall off, I'm telling you, you understand, these birds, they step into those leaves. They're, they're, they disappear. They're invisible. Yeah. I had the same experience with pheasant in South Dakota. where I'm not, they're, in, they're at your feet and you're looking down into the CRP grass and if they don't move, you can't see them. So... Uh, but you 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 gain back a little bit more of an advantage when the leaves are falling off, and then when it's colder, they spend more time coming to the road to grit because they they come out to sun. They have to mm-hmm. warm themselves up. Um, so I would I would advise anybody to probably wait to the third week, because uh, in, in a, a week matters. A, a week really does matter up there when when the when everything's changing. We watched so three years ago, we went up there bright plumage like the leaves were just on fire. And while we were there, in those three or four days, we watched all the leaves falling off the trees. And when I say falling off the trees, it'd be like being in a snowstorm of leaves constantly, all day. All day, just leaves constantly falling. When we were there this year, the first day Roman and I pulled into the woods, most of them were still green and just a little bit yellow. By the time we left three or was it four days later, they were all on fire. Just when I say fire, I mean the colors, bright, bright golds, deep reds. So I would imagine that if we were up there a week later, we would have had a a much more like a duplication of what we'd had uh, when I was up there three years ago. So I would just wait the extra week and I think you'll see more grouse. What we would run into is we saw quite a few grouse, uh, but by the time you jump out of the truck or you try to walk up on them, they'd step off into the shit and you'd they're gone. So they, you just need somebody in the bed of the truck. And they wouldn't flush. Actually, the, the one that I finally killed at the end, that's why I just, we saw this. It was way down this road. And uh, we had noticed that, that you could actually drive right up, right up on them a lot of times. It wouldn't run away. But as soon as you get out of the truck, they get a little wary. And then, so a it's good like distance. deer in a cornfield. They'll stand there and watch you all day till you slow down. Yeah, a good distance <laughs> in the road. So Roman and I just, I jumped up in the back of the truck. And Roman and I just rolled, 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 rolled. And that thing was sitting there. It laid down in the road, rolled, rolled, rolled. And it kind of stood up and started feeding. And then all of a sudden it fluffed up. Like, like I thought maybe it was going to display. It just kind of fluffed itself up like, ah, getting warm. I was like, yep, that was your last mistake. <laughs> <laughs> so how'd those uh, night eyes gators treat you? Uh, man, they were absolutely fantastic. They are. So I put them on. And I wore those things all day and never thought about them, right? They're that comfortable. Um, you just, I guess that's the most important thing I can say is they they, 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 they form fit around your leg, uh, super comfortable. Um, when I was, by the way, to give an idea of integrity, I was wearing, uh, I've got, uh, oh my goodness, I can't even remember the name, brand of boots I got. Um I actually got some pretty good boots, but they're just hiking boots. They're not, or they're hunting boots. They're not uh, knee highs or they're not, I mean, they're waterproof boots. But then I put the gaiters over them 
Like six a, inch over the ankle. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like you think good good hiking boots. Right. And if you name the damn boots, I they're they're good solid name brand hunting boot. <laughs> anyway. Um then I put the gators on them and I was when I say I, I tore apart a beaver dam that encroached over this road, I'm standing in water that is over the boot, over the ankle. And I'm up there and these are gators, man. They're 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 not supposed to be watertight. But between the, I mean, I didn't get any water in me at all. I mean, I didn't spend a whole, I didn't spend like half an hour standing in water that deep. But most of the water was probably was was definitely over my foot and up over my ankle. And I'm splashing around in that thing, tearing apart this beaver dam, so that we could get the truck through. And uh, I, my feet were dry the whole day. So I, a thumbs up to those gators. I didn't get a chance to use the flashlights as much as I would like, but it wasn't that kind of trip. But as far as comfort. And durability, awesome. You had quite an experience with their uh, customer service as well. I did. I was going to leave that out entirely, but I guess I can say that because so there's a Muser Air. Their Velcro, dude. Their Velcro. You be careful on that stuff, man. That shit's <laughs> sticky. So there, it, what I ended up doing is the the the. It's hard to explain on a podcast, but where you the flap that the lights go into. You flap that over, and it it closes on the top of your ankle or the top of your shin. And to my credit, they, they don't give you instructions, but the reality is most guys are sitting down and they just reach over and they take the thing off. Well, as we were getting ready to run in and grab that beer in the parking lot at the Catholic Church, I just reached down, you know, and I was tired. And I just reached down and grabbed the inside flap on both sides or outside flap, or whatever, and just tore them open. Right. And when I tore them open, I actually ripped the stitching uh, on the, on the flaps that hold the lights in. And I was like, oops. Um, so I called them up and they were like, well, uh, we'll just send you a new pair. I was like, you don't want the old ones back. And I'm like, they're like, no, nah, we'll just send you a new pair, which I thought was actually pretty cool because I told them about it. And normally, by the way, don't expect that treatment from everybody else. You're normally supposed to file a, uh, what do you call it, a warranty claim. Right. But because the guy was on our podcast, I think maybe we got a little bit extra. You know, I didn't have to go through that process. But leading into that, I want to be going back to customer service. When I ordered them, they had accidentally forgot to include the little strap that plugs into the side of the bottom of the gator and then goes underneath your boot so that the gator won't ride up on your leg. And uh, I just say, Hey man, um, I didn't get these. And they're like, no problem. And they just, they sent me, they sent me the clips. No questions asked. Um, but I can't tell you how comfortable these things were between the, 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 the part that I said, I didn't get that you then, you know, it has just a regular uh, belt. So it's on one side of it, it's got the the male female clip that you squeeze in the side, you pop right out, right for a quick release clip. And on the other side, it's like a typical belt loop that you might think of like on your pants belt. So you, to put them on, it's really easy to to adjust that so that it's a perfect fit on a fit on the bottom of your feet, so that it won't ride up. And then with the Velcro that is incredibly incredibly tough, um, it just I mean it can't. It, it's like a custom fit. Gator. And by the way, I had to pay for these things. They're not, they didn't <laughs> give them to us 
I'm not out here yammering about these gators because they're just advertising the, with us. They just built one hell of a gator, and you, it was super comfortable. You used the same discount code that was available to everybody else who picked up that podcast yep. that they gave. Yeah, exactly. Yep, UPO ten. So, but the, and I, I got the extra set of lights too. So I got some red lights and some white lights. Um, I don't know. I'll be wearing them out there in deer season if I ever get out there. Hopefully, I'm going to get up this weekend. Maybe on I might go up Saturday afternoon. I got something Saturday morning I got to do. I might miss most of deer season this year, but oh well. I'll be headed up next weekend. Yeah, not for me. We got some some deer that are daylighting in Alabama, and Ryland's itching to kill his first deer. So uh, you know, on the the weekend that got them daylighting in two different spots. Yeah, yeah. All our the weekend that all of our Zone C brethren here in Florida are going to be marching into the woods with the Orange Army. We will be uh, hopefully putting Ryland on his first year, and it won't even be muzzleloader season in Alabama. <laughs> nope, that's kind of crazy how uh, youth rifle comes up for. Well, typically youth seasons take place before. Any of that opens anyway. Yeah, but like, you would think they would do it like during muzzleloader. Well, technically they kind of are, right? Because I want to say <clears throat> this is like the last weekend of bow season between bow season and muzzleloader. Muzzleloader opens right after the youth hunt's over with. Oh, okay. So, and then I know like in the state of Georgia, their quote unquote youth weekend is they just allow kids to use a rifle during muzzleloader season. Yeah, because yeah, muzzleloader season is only like nine days long. Right. Well, same in Alabama. Seven. Yeah, seven. So it's it's super short in Alabama too. And then uh, rifle opens up. Yeah. But I I mean I'm not gonna lie, dude. So far the way the seasons played out up there this year, like watching it, I almost prefer that a little bit over Georgia's hunting season. The only reason I say that is because when bow season opens, I, when bow season opened, the weekend it opened, the high was like seventy two. And low was in the like low fifties, low to mid fifties. Yeah. That beats the hell out of being out there in South Georgia in early September <laughs> when it's still ninety degrees yeah. out. Uh, and then your season runs until February tenth. It's looking like at this point, unless the rut changes what we get on camera, it's looking like we may have just a a doe fest. Well, the rut isn't until January. I know. So we got some time before that comes around. We'll see. I mean, you know, you really haven't, and, and we kind of plan to discuss that a bit. You haven't. The woods have yet to see the highest amount of pressure they will see for the year. Yeah. Because rifle season hasn't opened. And that's when the majority of people start to hit the woods once everybody's in the woods. Because you got guys like you go up to Ocala right now and it's a ghost town. Well, it better be. Probably not this weekend. I would say you can't hunt anything. Not this coming weekend. You'd be having guys run out there just itching, getting ready, riding around. And uh, I want to think there may be able to do some dog training this weekend, this coming weekend. Uh, But hunting doesn't open until the 11th. So... But even during bow season, it's a ghost town. And you can't hunt there during bow season. So the majority of people down here, you got, they're like, when is hunting season? November 11th. Well, why is it open so late? 
Well, that's when gun season opens. You know, guys that are running dogs, they're not worried about doing anything else except getting out there to be able to run dogs yeah. when rough season opens. Be real interesting to let them go run dogs during bow season with a bow. That'd be a terrible <laughs> idea. <laughs> you didn't end up with other people shot. <laughs> oh, but I don't know. I kind of wanted to uh, to give some advice to the new hunter. I saw a guy, I think, on Florida Hunters Network. Take up golf. <laughs> Save yourself the money. You know, I heard a guy today, he's talking about, uh, or I read a thing that the guy was, today the guy was talking about um, killing deer, like hunting deer. You, you want to be uh, in, in the, the cost analysis on, on deer meat per pound versus going and buying beef at the store. You priced beef lately? Not all of a sudden the cost of hunting gone way down. Are you shitting me? Dude, I went and I went to go buy bacon the other day. When the hell did bacon become eight dollars a pound? That's what for I'm the saying. cheap shit. Yeah. The Biden economy. I'm man, talking we're, we're Oscar, back in the saddle. Oscar Meyer, eight dollars a pound. Like I got, bro. I got to talking to somebody the other day about uh that buck I killed uh from David. I think we got like we we got forty plus forty plus pounds of hamburger, uh, tenderloins, backstrap, uh, cube steak, and I had him cut a roast from it, and uh, it was eighty bucks for all that. And Destiny's like, just for the forty pounds of hamburger alone, at the grocery store we're looking like in the hundreds. Well, yeah, I understand that, but when you go and you're like, well, you know what. Uh, beef's too expensive. I'm going to take up hunting. I'm going to yeah, go buy I mean, a rifle. I'm going to go buy yeah. ammo. I'm going to go well, buy a scope. I'm going to buy my hunting license. But, I got to buy the gas. I got to scout. Then I got to buy the gas yeah. to get there. Then if you want to pay a processor to process yourself, you got to do that. And then, yeah. you know. But looking into that. Business. Yeah, I was going to say, looking into that, though, too, you're also looking at, like, only stuff like your hunting license and your gas are, like, regularly reoccurring. I was gonna say it's it's a it's a it's the a pay entry, to play. The, the entry fee, yeah, is where you're gonna pay the most because once you already have a bow, bows, you know, they they go up every single year. There's a new model out every year. But every, you don't every have, year. Have you well, not been every, watching? Yeah, every six months there's a new. Is every twi- bow twice yeah. a year? Yeah, yeah. Uh, but you don't have to shoot that newest model bow, man. I'm I, that bow that I shoot's an older Hoyt and it shoots fine for me. I'm not, and I'm not religious to any brand. I'm not going to tell you that, like, you know, you have to shoot a Matthews or you have to shoot a Hoyt or you have to shoot Bowtech. Like, that's that's like when uh, when Adam reached out to me and Adam Curtis, and he was like, "What, what bow should I buy?" I said, "You need to go somewhere where you can shoot a bow. You need to pick a price range which you want the bow to fit into, and you need to shoot." as many bows in your price range as you can and pick the one and, and buy the one that shoots, it shoots the best for you. Yeah. That's all there is to it. Like don't, you don't need to stick. Like you said, there's no Matthews bear Hoyt expedition. Oh my God. You ever looked at an expedition archery bow? No. <sighs> yeah. Five grand, four or five grand. Too much for me. They're making their risers out of magnesium. Hey, listen, the good old, Hoyt works fine. The Hoyt charger. There's definitely a law of diminishing returns on expense when you're talking about buying a bow. 
Oh yeah, no. or even even rifles. I mean, for what? Here, here's the are, thing. What are you, try, are you trying to? Are you trying to drive dimes at fifteen hundred meters? Or are you trying to knock down a well, deer at a hundred here, yards? Here's the thing: the, the the diminishing return is far higher on a bow than it is on a rifle because there are rapid advancements in archery technology every single year. It's like owning so, a phone, right? That's exactly, <laughs> but. When it comes to a bolt action rifle, uh, not much has changed since the you know Lee Enfield. They're pretty much the same. <laughs> like, Still a bolt action rifle. Yeah, they look a little. They're a little bit lighter and a uh, lot more accurate for the most part. A little more accurate for the most part. When you say a lot more but, accurate, but a guy that goes out and spends eight hundred dollars on a bow versus a guy that spends five grand on a bow, for you know to spend the $5,000 is it better is it quieter no you're spending the 5 grand because you can and you want to say that you own a $5,000 i'm saying that it, it right. may very well shoot better and for for someone who is genuinely an accomplished archer who's willing to spend an enormous amount of money for that you know to to drive that tack to be that much better that's one thing but for the overwhelming majority of guys it wants once, once general gun season rolls around, that bow goes back in the until oh, next yeah, archery yeah. season. I'm gonna tell you this: look. you know, a week before you're just gonna go drive a few tacks and go hunt again. Don't save your money. I, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna say this. Uh, I'm gonna tell you: um, you need to uh, tune your bow. And if you don't know what that means, you definitely don't need to spend a thousand dollars on one. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I think there's yeah. a lot of guys out there. Like you can go buy Tiger Woods clubs, you ain't gonna get Tiger Woods game. Oh, a three hundred dollar bat doesn't fix a five dollar swing. Bingo. <laughs> Jordan might have a seven dollar swing, the rest of us are sliding in right about three fifty. <laughs> <laughs> so you buy all the bow you want, buddy. Ain't gonna help. No, Jordan just got lucky with his eyes closed, is what happened. Well, hey. Me in the freezer. <laughs> Rather be lucky yeah. than good. That's all right. I got a good buck on, under the belt this year. What you got under your belt? Nothing so far. Pants? Yeah, pretty much. I don't even have a belt on right now. <laughs> the only deer I got, the only deer I've got in the freezer, somebody else hit with their car. <laughs> headshot, headshot with the light, with the with the uh, headlight. Thankfully, Destiny asked me the other day. She was like, "Why can't? Why don't we just hit deer? We see him." I was like, "I would, but then I would have to pay my deductible every time." I was like. That's why we need to we need to put a bumper on my truck, and then if we see deer, we'll just run them over. <laughs> I think there's something to that, man. You know, I remember as a kid seeing dudes driving around with uh, just steel pipe, yeah, as the front bumper. Yeah, I just think that was because they were cheap. Yeah, maybe there was a little something to it. The no, thing- they're they're trying to drive around and wax deer. <laughs> Puts uh, in the, the the barrier to entry now though uh, when it comes to like buying a rifle you you you're in the heyday of getting into uh deer hunting with a rifle because you can go out and pick up rifles that are capable of thousand yard accuracy with a scope on it for 600 bucks yeah would you pay for your ruger american I bought the Ruger American Predator. This was several years ago with no yeah. scope on it for three hundred fifty bucks, and that's a thousand yard gun all day. Those Tika rifles, right? Oh, smooth Dude, bolts, but they're not, and they're not that bad priced. 
No, I love them. I've got two Tikas. I absolutely love them. But I put decent optics on. I mean, I spent, I, 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 I go a little bananas on the optics, but I will say right. that we've got a couple. I've seen right around here local. Uh, some people post on like Florida Hunters Network. Uh, I'm banned from Florida Hunters Network. Sorry. I'll anytime you guys mention, it, I'm just gonna let everybody know that I'm banned because uh, they hate me. Um, but on public land hunters of Florida, I've seen numerous, numerous, numerous posts about. I have pipeline unit. Where do I go hunt? Or like, is it worth hunting? Man, don't let all these people. You'll have 5,000 people on that post tell you that there's dog hunters. It's not worth it. It's not true. Here, Here's my advice, and this is the advice I gave Jake. If you're going to hunt pipeline unit and you're not running dogs, hunt the fringes. Yep. Um, because they need to stop dogs for the hit private property. So if you have a road, if you're hunting a block of woods where one border is private property, and the other border is a road, they're going to stop dogs at that road before it gets into your block because they don't want to have to get the dogs off private property. And then two, I told I told Jake, now as you've seen in the text message, she's completely ignoring what I told him. I said, give pipeline unit two weeks and then go hunt it. So because your deer are fixing to get their entire schedule completely flipped upside down. Yeah. By dogs running. You need to go out there and you need to figure out deer two weeks after season opens because now they've adjusted to a new normal for the rest of the season. Mm-hmm. If you got a deer on camera right now and you're like, I'm going to get him open in day. No, you ain't. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> He's going to have a dog hot on his tail somewhere. Yeah. I, so. I'll give you another one too for especially places like that. And the answer is spend the night at 3 o'clock, 4 o'clock in the morning driving the roads. They're out there. You're mm-hmm. standing right there next to the side of it. And I'm not saying go out and I'm not saying go out, spotlight them, and shoot them at three o'clock in the morning. But if they're there at four o'clock in the morning, they're not ten miles away at sunup. No, they're not. No, yeah. you're, you you find out. Just cut the map down, right? Get, get, cut yourself down to where those deer are within two hundred, three hundred yards of where you are. Don't walk in right where you saw the deer, right? Ideally, you want to look for spots where you saw a deer on the side of the road and hopefully there's another road, dirt road or so running two or 300 yards behind that, that you can then get into and then set up, you know, either set up between those, the the main road and the dirt road or set up on the other side of the dirt road. Or in some cases you might be able to set up on the dirt road. I wouldn't do that, but, um, it's a good way to piss the dog hunters off. But no, but the the whole point is, go find where the deer are. Yeah, and 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 the easiest way in places like Ocala, I'm talking about. You could do it on the hard road. You don't even have to get into the back roads and find them standing out there. But you can find all kinds of deer and really narrow your search. But you have to give up a day and drive around three, four o'clock. I I would say back all over the place. Back when trail cameras, when two gigabytes was a big SD card. And trail cameras were freshly digital and still took D batteries. We used to go ride around Ocala when we were, when I would run dogs up there with a buddy. We yeah. we would ride around 
Uh, and this is, I was young then, so being up till three in the morning and then back up at seven was perfectly fine. But we'd be out there until one or two in the morning riding the roads night before we go run dogs. Yeah. That way we knew, hey, last night at midnight, that track right there, that's a buck track. So you yeah. go drop dogs on a fresh buck track. It's not like you can drag roads out there. There's enough. I'm gonna get. Yeah, I guess you can drag roads, but other people drive them. Uh, but like William said, you know, if you do enough research, you can find areas where they're gonna try to grab dogs, or they're not gonna drop dogs in that area because they can't get to their dogs after they drop them. Right. And then, like Jim said too, don't think that. Just because you're sitting in the middle of the dog hunters in a block, even if they're running dogs in that block, if that dog's running a buck and that buck runs past your stand, shoot it. I mean, most of the time, dogs are not hot, hot on a deer's trail. No, they're moving them. Yeah, you'll have you'll have a deer a good at least two hundred yards ahead of dogs. I mean, I've seen I've seen dogs hot on a deer, and a deer just flat out running on the same t- on the same hand in the same day. You hear the dogs coming, and the deer steps out of the woods, stands in the middle of the road, like where they at, and then goes on across his business across the road, yeah. a couple hundred yards in front of the dogs. You never really know, but I don't know if you're gonna hunt. I mean, hey, if you're gonna hunt in the spot where you where you know they're gonna run dogs, don't take a rifle, take a shotgun. Yeah, use buckshot. And it is kind of somewhat rule of thumb, folklore, whatever you want to call it, to split the meat with them. They're probably going to ask for that. You don't have to. It's not a written law. But I would offer up, I, I don't know about completely half. If, if you want half of my meat, you're going to have to help me skin the deer. Yeah. But I'll toss you a couple back, a backstrap. Yeah. Toss you a backstrap or a, a ham or something. Right. Yeah. But if you expect me to go out there and be like, here's half my hamburger. I saw some guy <laughs> the other day taking uh, the backstrap and cutting it into tomahawks. I was like, bro, I need to do that if I shoot a doe in Alabama. Just cut that sucker, cut the backstrap, cut the ribs little short there at the top and cut me some tomahawk steaks out of the back strap. <laughs> you, cut, you basically, yeah, you just taking a, a rib roast out of the deer. The hardest yeah. part, or the biggest pain I ask about the tomahawks is taking the time to, to make them look pretty. I don't care about how they look. <laughs> I don't care about how they eat. Right. They eat just like a back strap. Yes, they'd eat the same whether the rib's sticking off of it or yeah, not. They, they eat like just a, like a medallion. Yeah. <laughs> I'm looking forward to that roast I got off that buck, though. Doing a nice little roast out of a deer. But I think... Be good. Which which roast did you get? I don't know. I just told him to cut a roast. Oh, I didn't you don't know if roast. it's a neck roast, you need a to shoot another roast. Deer. So, yeah. yeah. Jim did offer me. Jim was like, you want to come? I was like, listen, Jim. I Really, I genuinely, yes, I would love to. But... I do not have the time. <laughs> I would genuinely love to come to your house and process my deer. I just don't have, I didn't have the time to I, make I would, it at that point in time. I would also offer a piece of advice to the new hunter um, is to be patient. 
Yeah. And when I say be patient, I don't mean, you know, patience, obviously, in the sense of sit still, be quiet. But patience also in the sense of it might not happen this week. Be persistent. Might not happen today. Might not happen this weekend. Might not happen this season. Might not happen next season. Hey. But persistence and patience, you will kill a deer. Now, the thing, too, is is to learn from your mistakes, but not just your obvious mistakes. You know, if, you, if, if you're sitting there and a deer walks in and you whip your head and it runs away, well, yeah, it's all you move. That's a mistake. Move slower. It, but, is, it is a lot easier to become patient and a, a better public land hunter by starting off on private land than the other way around. Yeah, I think it also has to do with uh, where you're hunting public land. Well, yeah, it's fair because what I'm thinking of is so many of our draws here. It's like, well, here's your three days. Right. So yeah. you could do a ton of scouting, but what? I, the, let me qualify my statement. If you end up with a lease, right? Well, so that's I don't mean just going and hunting on somebody else's private land where they've already done all the work and they just set you up in the stand. Oh right. my gosh, here's a deer! Bang. I'm talking about the private land allowed me anyway, and other people have expressed this to me. The private land allowed you allowed you to under to begin to understand deer. What do they like? What kind of how do they travel? Um, uh, rubs and scrapes and all those different things, and 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 and, and being able, especially if you can find like I said three. If you get to find three rubs in a row, so you know, really narrow down their travel corridor, that's great. But pinch points and things that that aren't necessarily intuitive, even if somebody tells you, hunt pinch points, maybe shows them peeing a map. But once you get a feel for what to look for in the woods, that becomes really transferable. So whereas, not always, but I think that if I draw a three-day hunt on a piece of public land that I've never been to. And a new guy draws a three day hunt and a piece of woods, even if he's gone out and tried to scout without a whole lot of, without any other, f- without any experience. I, I, I'm not trying to say this arrogantly. It's, it's, it's not what made me more knowledgeable is the advantage of having years of watching deer, in, you know, over in, in, in a certain area, it's a lot easier to learn your patience on private land. It's it's also easier on private land, even in the state of Florida, because you do get a period where you could kill does. But so you have a larger populace of deer you can shoot. Yeah, legal deer. But also, and I completely agree with you that having to maintain the patience through two, maybe one or two, three day hunts a year is uh is tough. Right, because now. For you to get 10 days in the woods. But you can go to places like Georgia and hunt public land, albeit the license is far more expensive, but there are plenty of public lands that are open for weeks or months at a time where you can continuously go weekend after weekend or day after day after day. Yeah, But like we talked about in the last podcast too, you can go to uh, like Ocala which we have right near us, the pipeline unit, but just north of 40, you have the, like uh, Lake Delancey and uh, Hopkins Prairie units. Right. 
they're open. Like you don't have to apply for a permit. It may be a little bit more of a drive, but if you really want to, Lake put Monroe, the time in, yeah, yeah, there's places you can go without a permit. You Are just, we guys banging on Lake Monroe all the time? Like ah, guys drag deer out of there every year. Mm-hmm. Sign some, some decent deer, right? Lake, Lake Monroe's not worth it. It's not worth anything. And I would be willing to bet. Oh come on, there ain't no secret. Ever. Yeah, I'd be willing to bet. <laughs> That a lot of the guys that are dragging deer out of Lake Monroe are dragging deer out of there every year. Yeah, pretty consistently. Yeah. They've, because, going back to my whole private land thing, they hunt that area all the time and they have figured it out. If you can consistently kill deer on public land in the state of Florida, especially if it's a permitless public land spot like Lake Monroe, you can kill deer anywhere. Yeah. It's a very, very, very hard state to figure out when it I comes to getting white tail deer down still to out there. I gotta go pull them. You got anything on them? I don't know. They're not cell cams. Oh. Ooh. <laughs> I don't even know if they're still there. But patience and and learning from your mistakes, and that's. Yeah, I mean, and you talk it's about, hard. Well, I say it's hard to learn from your mistakes when you don't know they're obvious. Let's so say you talk about patience. What Jake? Uh, Jake's been at it for trying to hunt whitetail on public land for five years, and just saw his first buck out of the stand <laughs> on that last hunt we went on with everybody. Archery? No, muzzleloader. Muzzleloader. Oh, was that? I saw that. Where were you guys? Can't say that again. Yeah, yeah. Oh, that's top secret. All right, all right. All right. Yeah, it's the but what that, we can it's say. The hunt that you were supposed to be on. Yeah, I'm with you. But uh, Larry missed. So, yeah. but it's uh, I don't even know how to explain mistakes that you don't know you're making. Paying attention to wind, a uh, big one. Not even wind, but paying attention to direction at which you set up your tree stand. Because if you're ever at any point, you're like, man, this sun is beating me to death. You're in the wrong spot. <laughs> yeah. Because, and I say, I don't mean that in the fact that you're hot. I mean that in the fact that you're a highlighter in a tree. Yeah. If the sun, I mean, you look at it, if you've ever seen a deer standing in direct sunlight, they shine. So do you. Get in the shade. Yeah. Shade yeah. is your friend. It's it's your number one element of like natural camouflage is shade. Hide in the shade. So you sit where the sun's not in your face. You want the sun, you know, somewhere not in your face. You want to be in the shade. Shade. Did I say shade enough? Shade. shade. There's some other things, too, that are, I don't know how much, they're not very applicable in Florida, but in an awful lot of places, if you've got hills, if you're on the north side of that hill, unless unless you are facing, <laughs> unless you're on the north side of a hill looking across the valley, at the south, if you're looking at the north side of the hill, you are in the wrong spot. You want to be facing the south side of the hill. You want to be sitting on the north side, looking across the valley at the south side. A little warmer. Fair enough. Don't forget your orange too. I mean, hey, I keep three of them in my truck now because what that last year, me and you and Easton had that hunt, and. uh I had to do. I think luckily you or Easton one had a spare orange. I just showed up without any orange. I think I did. <laughs> you probably still have my spare orange. That's why I don't have it. Anymore. Probably that's why. Well, there's three of them in my yeah. truck. Yeah. <laughs> um, but 
too, you know, not just wind, but thermals. Yeah. Even when you don't have, and thermals is just heat rising up from the ground. And you can use milkweed. You can buy milkweed seeds online. Yeah. Super cheap. And they'll float super light on the air. So you can, and you can watch a milkweed go for a long ways. And you'll watch if you're near a thermal, you'll see your milkweed kind of go out and all of a sudden it starts rising up in the air. That's picking, that's, and that's just doing the same thing your scent is doing. It's following the same path that milkweed's going. So you may watch that that milkweed goes out 30 yards in the direction you want it to, hits a thermal, and then button hooks to the left right where you didn't want, you didn't know your scent was going. Yeah. So little things like that. And that's how you get busted when a deer comes in where you thought they couldn't smell you, and they actually can. Waiting for the right shot opportunity. Yeah. Not just uh, seeing a deer and going, I think I can hit that, <clears throat> Larry, and yeah, rushing a shot, and you miss. That's a huge one, man, especially when it comes to archery. Because, you know, you never know when that deer's going to take the next little tiny step. Anything. Right. And if it doesn't happen, it doesn't happen. And, you know, it just wasn't meant to be. And you and didn't rush a shot. A hot tip. Uh, deer's field of view, when their head is down eating, if they're facing you, they can still very much see you. They have yeah. a very like wide field of view up and down. You almost have to be directly behind them for them to not be able to see you. Dude, I don't I, I don't know as much. I'm, I'm damn near ready to drop that episode of me killing that buck, but uh, I don't know how he stayed there the whole time. And my, my wind must have just been right because I know he saw me. Like we made eye contact the whole time. I drew my bow back and everything. Me and him were making eye contact. It's luck. Yeah. Anybody who tells you it's all skills, full of shit. Not, there was no skill involved. There, you can see clearly in that video. There was. I mean, the the stuff. skill the skill involved when it comes to killing a deer is the amount of practice you put in shooting your weapon of choice in the off season. Yeah. And then the amount of, uh, data you collected from being on the ground before you ever went out to hunt. Yeah, I was going to say that's, that's a big thing that, uh, and I think a lot of people pull pipeline just because it's an easy permit. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, you get people from like way down South, like, Hey, I have pipeline. You're like, cool. Drive up, start driving up now and putting boots on the ground. Like I think that's the biggest thing no. any of us have pulled from any any permit you pull is or even hunting private land, man. Boots on the ground and gaining education about your property or the lay of wherever it is and how the deer move. Boots on the ground is your your biggest tool. Well pipeline is huge too. Yeah. But <clears throat> I, I would if you if you just want to be out in the woods to say that you had a hunting experience, go get it. It's better than sitting home. You learn more, but right. Yeah. If you're dying to be successful though, then if, if you want to increase, uh, so I'll, I'll say if you drop me here, if knowing now what I, what I know, like, I, well, you guys already know I, when I put in for permits, my top choices are the places that we also hunt small game. Why? Because I'm scouting during small game season. Right. Right. Yeah. Not, not in this. I'm not looking for the deer. I'm looking for the. I'm looking for the. I'm looking for all those things that I'm telling you that you just pick up this knowledge. Right. Um, and 
you see their trails, you see their bedding areas, you see where they've rubbed in the past. I mean, yeah. And, and, and that's it, you know, go, go put in for those places. And I, I guess I would, I'm also seeing this knowing full well that, um, if, if, if I, if I just said, I am going to hunt tomorrow, I could pull out of this podcast right now, drive five hours, but I could be hunting tomorrow morning on private land and stands, you know. So admittedly, I'm saying this from a, a, a position of luxury, right? You guys have the place in Alabama. I got the place in Georgia. We know that if we want to hunt deer, we're gonna we're going to kill deer this season. It's not really a question. If I didn't have that, maybe I wouldn't be as confident. But um, because I, I, it would be really tough to just sit there and say season after season that I'm fine with a zero again this year. Like I'm not going to have any hunting days because I can't go get my three and four day permits at the places that I hunt small game. Right. Jim right. doesn't even have to drive. Jim could just sit in his office long enough and wax one with a crossbow. <laughs> well, he yeah. couldn't, he proved he couldn't do that this year. <laughs> yeah. Would you forget to turn the safety off? Is that what it was? Yeah. yeah. You can still yeah. shoot out of your yard with a crossbow though. Can't you? If I see him. Yeah. Um, I, sh- could have shot one last night if I wanted to break the rules. There's nothing that says that Jim can't have a feeder in his yard either. No, I could. It's a, <laughs> a bird. Months. It's a bird feeder. I've thought about it. I haven't done that. That would, I, I don't have. It's a good way trouble. to guarantee not not getting skunked for the season. <laughs> Dude, just I, just I, plant I, your <clears throat> plant your yard in clover. In our, <laughs> in, our, in our neighborhood Facebook page, the great page, you know how the, every neighborhood's got one. There was somebody bitching about the damn deer came in and wiped out her, I don't know what kind of bushes she had. And then her neighbor's like, yeah, across the street, that buck is just wearing out our red maples. And I was like, I looked up her name. I was like, address? Found that on the thing. And immediately <laughs> Google mapped it. I'm like, that's just the other side of our, there's a there's a greenway between my house and her house. I'm like, that boy's working my area. Sure enough, <laughs> sure enough, last night, we got back from uh, Washington, and I had to take my brother-in-law home. And as uh, as I'm as I'm driving, there, there's a doe, and she's it's nighttime, right? And she's scooting up a center the center of a a, a, a median, and I'm like, and she had that gate to her, and I was like, oh oh oh, and sure enough, boop boop, here comes the buck chasing her, right? And I'm like, yeah, I was like, I, I could have bumper burgered him too, but <laughs> or. I came back and he was still out there pursuing her, right? She's obviously hot. He's in hot pursuit. If, if I was a poacher, I could have gone home, gotten the crossbow, and poked him right out of the window of my truck. I thought seriously about getting up early this morning and sitting out back along the greenway, but I didn't do it. I was too tired. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I, I mean, it's funny. Like, I, I've got one. My neighbors put me on one already this year. I wanted to whack one in the backyard. Um, I don't know how we got on that subject, but... It's different, and I have I have harvested deer from my yard, and I actually tried this year, but early, like, second day archery season or something like that, yeah. right? Um, there was five or six of them walking through. I was like, well, go thin one of them out and blew it, but uh, it's not the same. No. I mean, it's just not the same. No, it's not. Yeah. And a, a whole lot of hunting for us, which we got to, we got a great experience of, uh, with our last hunt, if you, the last second go go back two podcasts from now, um, that one uh, we got the whole camp experience too, man. 
There's a lot yeah. of if if you can uh, get with a guy or a couple guys, and both of you have you just know, give us some buddies. Permit. Yeah, give yeah. us some buddies and go out and get the same permit. Hey, it makes a huge difference, man. I, I told Jake when we were hunting. Uh, Jake joined me as a guest on one of my permits this year, and I told him I said anymore. I think I just like hunting with somebody else. It's not. This, I mean. You know, I love to hunt, but having somebody else there to enjoy that hunt with makes it that much sweeter for me. Right. Like, you know, getting to shoot the shit or talk about why that morning sucked. Try to scare people with snakes. Yeah. I actually got Josh. I heard. Yeah, he told me. (laughs) (laughs) I have it on my GoPro. I just need to pull it off. Oh, uh, getting sprayed in the face with the air thing. What was? Oh my gosh! Oh, I gotta tell that story because I didn't tell that. So we get that cabin gym, and it's got one of those little air fresheners in it that, like, every five minutes it'll <laughs> spray a little yeah. bit. Okay, so first thing I do when I get there is I gotta turn that thing off because it, it sprayed. Sprays them. No, I, I turned it off. Right? It Pull. sprayed you. I got video of it. I'll I'll put it up on TikTok and stuff. When I first got there, yeah, it sprayed me when I walked. It sprayed when I walked past it. It it's. Didn't spray you directly, but it sprayed when you were trying to turn it off and it scared you. Yeah. So uh, we finished the whole weekend out there and I go to turn it back on. I didn't realize somebody already had I, it. I turned it off. And I had it I had it in my hand and I'm looking at it trying to figure out how to turn it back on and it sprayed me right in the mouth. <laughs> like I have it less than a foot in front of my face looking at the switches like, how do you turn this thing back on? <laughs> Just all in my face. <laughs> I'm standing outside packing stuff and all that. I hear screaming inside. Jake's laughing. I'm like, "Oh man!" What? I just started cussing up a storm. Yeah, when that I was happened. like, "What happened?" <laughs> Jake walks out. He's like, "That thing just sprayed him right in the mouth." <laughs> didn't taste as good as it smelled, did it? No, it did not. <laughs> I ha- I had to turn it back on because Jake just uh, it's it, it it literally smelled like Jake took. The smell of a nursing home <laughs> times a hundred and put it in the bathroom. And then when he opened the door, it filled the whole entire cabin. <laughs> so I I had to turn it on to try and make the cabin smell better because Larry was dry even. Let's take a break real quick. Yeah. Sit tight. We'll be right back with a word from our sponsors. As we move through life, it's inevitable that we're going to find ourselves needing trusted advice from legal counsel. From business transactions to real estate, lawsuits to contract matters, we all need advice and assistance from time to time. Attorney Roman Hammis' multi-state law practice focuses on litigation, business law, and real estate. Roman helps individuals and business owners find solutions to their legal problems. If push comes to shove, Roman is an experienced litigator with extensive trial experience and the ability to take it all the way. He's been named Super Lawyer every year from 2016 to present, a distinction given to only 5% of practicing lawyers. Most importantly, Roman is an avid hunter, angler, conservationist, and proud supporter of the UPO Nation. When you need dependable legal counsel, call Roman, 
6050 or 843-324-1727 or email roman at romanvhamas.com. That's R-O-M-A-N at R-O-M-A-N-V-H-A-M-M-E-S dot com. Offices Florida and South Carolina. The Under Pressure Outdoors podcast is brought to you in part by Hang Free. With a mission to provide top quality products for the best possible price, Hang Free believes that the saddle hunting experience is worth more than money. They create both tried and true products as well as debut new items to the saddle hunting community, creating a community of saddle hunters that don't have to break the bank to participate in a hobby that they love. Do yourself a favor and join the Hang Free family this hunting season. They truly have everything you need. Don't forget to use offer code UPO10 at checkout for 10% off your order at hangfree.co. Jim, how is Alaska? Man, you know, it's funny. The whole reason I'll be gone is because my I had that trip with Roman, and then my wife's like, we're going to Alaska. And I was like, well, if I'm going that far, I want to go drive around Washington since we're, it's where we sail out of. But the Alaska part of the cruise was, <laughs> however, I the thing that I learned the most while I was in Alaska, was uh, just chatting with the people. Like the people that are up there, they're wrapping up their work season. Mostly we were hitting tourist towns, right? But um, I was chatting with people that live up there full-time and you know, about what it's like to live there and you know work. And it's like, man, work's not a problem. In fact, one of the things that you have here is we definitely have more need for people. And we have more jobs than people, overwhelmingly, and it's all year round. And, and they were more than one person was very serious. Like, if you want to come here, just just come here and start working. You can be whatever you want. You want to learn how to be a pilot. Somebody will teach you how to be a pilot because they need pilots. We have more pilot. They have yeah. more planes than pilots. I mean, that's understand becoming a bush pilot. That's that's not like something you're going to pick up in two weeks. No. But no. if you want to go be a pilot, they'll take you from. I don't even know what this thing is to bush pilot eventually, right? I mean, you just got to agree to work. Um, but in the meantime, you might, you, you can get jobs doing damn near anything you want. You know, um, if you can, if you are upright and have a decent grasp of the English language, you can make it in Alaska, <laughs> right? It's, they need people. There's absolutely no excuse. If you're sitting here, if you can hear this podcast and you're bitching that you ain't got a job. Go north. You'll have one within an hour of getting off the plane, I think. It might not be exactly what you want, but working a hotel, working a restaurant, running a shovel, driving a bus, you know, um, they need people up there to work. That was the biggest takeaway. And so if you're that guy that maybe uh, has always said, I want to go to Alaska and uh, I want to really go see the place, and, and maybe you're not tied down by their commitments. I might not leave now because it's about to go get really uncomfortable up there. <laughs> but, man, come next April, either get in the car and drive or book a cheap plane ticket and buy a beater. There's cars up there you can buy pretty inexpensive. They they all look like what you might oh, you know what like. I, You know what I want to do? I want to go to Alaska uh, on 4th of July. 
you ever seen the videos where they just launch the beater cars off the cliff because it doesn't get dark enough for fireworks? No, no, I haven't <laughs> yes, seen that. Yes, there's a place in Alaska where they just like take a beater car, painted up all patriotic, and and not just one. They'll Stick launch twenty pedal, or thirty yeah. cars. Yeah, pedal, uh, brick on the pedal of a school bus, yoof over this like three hundred foot. And everybody's cliff. sitting at the bottom of the cliff, <laughs> yeah, watching cars launch over this cliff. Woo! I was like, man, that's pretty awesome. Sorry, that beats a fireworks show. Yeah, seven days a week. Yeah. <laughs> Though an adventure, I'm dead serious. I'd I'd love to find somebody that's just willing to go. Um, There's two places up, up there that I'd like to go. One is Tuktoyukchuk. That is in the northern territories of Canada. It's the northernmost place that you can drive in Canada. I used to think it was the northernmost place you can drive in North America, but it turns out the Prudhomme Bay in Alaska is like, I don't know, 25 feet north of that. But mm. they're, they're, they are nowhere near each other. But you fly into Fairbanks, and it's like an 11-and-a-half-hour drive to Prudhomme. Um, and there's an, there's gas along the way. There's a couple places, a place called Cold Feet's the last place you can get gas. So you might want to take a jerry can just in case something happened, but it's not like you're in danger of running out of gas or anything like that. But just driving through the Arctic Circle, because it is north of the Arctic Circle. And just what I saw in, say, British Columbia and the other areas I've been up in that part of the, the world, um, being able to drive someplace that outside of the roads is almost entirely untouched by man, right? Because it's rugged. Um, I saw some of that in British Columbia. Um, it's just different, you know pine trees that are a hundred and some odd years old, 130 feet tall. Um, and then you, know, you see the, the animals and such running in and out of them. That's something that, that uh, it pulls to me. So maybe going into Fairbanks and driving up there or driving out to a place called circle. Those are all places that are reachable by car uh, or um, you're going to head a little bit South and driving over the Canadian Rockies into Whitehorse, I have done that, but then heading north out of Whitehorse to tuck to a stick. It's 18 hours out of Whitehorse. And it's, I understand it's, you know you're driving. Um, but, you know, you're driving, I want to say it's anywhere near as hard as what the guys that came up there looking for gold had to endure. Uh, you're right. But any place where realistically, if you go without taking more than one spare tire and maybe an extra can of gas and, and making sure that you got some extra blankets because you, if you get stuck out there, it might be, a day before the next car comes around. Like that's, that's, that's adventure. That's actually hard to find in North America, but you could still get it once you get North of the border and you get out to Alaska. And those are also trips. I think that, um, when it comes to being able to do them, I think money is not really the limiting factor. It's just the time and the other obligations we have to family and kids, right? I, I get it full. Well, like, Hey, honey, I only get you know two weeks off a year. I'm going to take one of them, and I'm just going to go drive a la- around Alaska. That's a that's a big ask when you got little kids. I'm right. 52. I have the you know I don't have little kids anymore. Um, but I, those are things that if you're listening to this, even if you can't do that right now, know from a guy that's now been a- around that uh, these are incredible adventures that you can have now or later. 
and uh, you, you, I think at least for the, if you're listening to this podcast, that is probably way more rewarding than going on a cruise or going to the beach. Nah, man, go go I west, go north, and go have, see the world. I have zero zero desire to go on a cruise. Like I have such a small desire to go on a cruise that if I want a cruise, I would ask if I could get a cash rebate and just give it to somebody else. I just feel that way. I've been on one. I just, it's a floating Walmart with a buffet. There's, I would say there's only so much to do. And then by the end of the cruise, you've already, you know, two days into the cruise, you've already done everything to do on the boat. So yeah, as a guy, I've done a couple cruises now. And I used to not be a cruiser. The one I was just on, never again. <laughs> right? Like, I, I'm a. But don't if you're gonna if you're going to go do a cruise, do not be cheap. Cheap cruises are cheap for a reason. I just learned that the hard way. Booze cruise to the Bahamas, maybe. Um, That's but, a cheap cruise. Yeah, but there's a reason. I mean, <laughs> yeah. you're on, you're not on that boat to do anything but booze cruise. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Spend the money. <laughs> Uh, and look at the itinerary. Make sure that you're not just going to be on shore for like two hours and get back on a boat for another 24. I'm a, I'm a destination traveler. If I'm going somewhere, I want to go there, be there, and explore there. I don't want to have to. I don't want my vacation to necessarily constantly be the traveling to the destination to go. Well, we made it, and then turn around and go back. That that was what I experienced on this cruise. Basically, it was like being on prison with booze because. <laughs> And, and I don't want to name the cruise line or anything like that because it just had, we went at the end of the season. All the people, do those people live on those cruise ships? They work, they work twelve hour days, seven days a week, and they get to get off the boat with the tourists and things like that. And they got to be back on, and you can't get off at every port. They really are they're, they're indentured servants. Yeah, you know, they don't have to pay for the food and, and and rent, but they don't make much money. But there's no there's nothing to spend money on in the cruise. They're there to just work, and they work months at a time. So they were tired. Um, and if you're just on the boat, I don't care how great the boat is, being on that boat, we decided we wound up because we ended up missing a port because of weather. We're in the boat three straight days. And at first, it was great because, like I said, all the drinks, you can get whatever drink you want. And I'm not a huge drinker, but... If you were like, you know, I've always wondered what a, fuck, I don't even know what the drink is. Did you cr- I, did you critique their Mai Tais? I did. In fact, oh, dude, their, their Mai Tais were terrible because they, they, they uh, yeah, pineapple juice and, you know, it's like this pre-mixed shit. And I was like, no, 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 no. I finally found a bartender. I was like, you've mixed cocktail, right? And he's like, yeah. And I was like, here's what I want you to do. And I actually went through the Mai Tai because I said, do you have, you have the almond syrup? He goes, yeah, I have almond syrup. And uh, I said, you have a Grand Meunier or do you have a, um, a triple sec? Um. That doesn't matter. The orange stuff. He's like, yeah, I got that. And I said, I know you got light and dark rum. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he goes, simple syrup. Yep. So, and I said, and you got lime juice. And I said, great, do this. And I had, I just gave him the Mai Tai recipe, right? I, I, I made, I had him make me a scratch Mai Tai the way that I make him. Loved him, right? And the guy sitting next to me is like, what do you got there? I was like, I got a Mai Tai, but not what they make, a real Mai Tai. He's like, well, what's in it? I showed him the ingredients. And, and, and the bartender, I was like, you might, because he had to go fetch these things from like all across the area. I was like, you might just want to bring them things, keep it local. And we did. We sat there bagging out my ties one afternoon, me and this guy from Philadelphia, uh, like six of them. <laughs> yeah. 
And then we went down and played in the uh, looking like us in the pool in Boca. Then we went down to play at the Texas Hold'em tournament. Like they 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 were scared of us, man. <laughs> you know, like, all in. Like you, you ain't even looked at your cards yet. I know, but we're doing coin flips. Full 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 full. It's terrible. And eventually, you know, somebody was like, "Oh yeah, I'll call you." We didn't last very long in the Hold'em tournament. <laughs> but. Uh, that, that, so there are there was a bright spots in it, but for the most part, yeah, that was terrible. You're, so with you, as far as cruises go, I've been on some really really great cruises, and my advice is go where you want to go. Make sure you're fine with those destinations because you want to see them. Uh, look at the itinerary, and if you think you're getting a great deal on a cruise, you're not. It's cheap for a reason. Yeah, and like, I learned I, that too. I've been to Hawaii twice. And I would love to go back and take my wife there. Uh, she was like, oh, I would love to do a cruise. I was like, no. 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 You, there's so many things I would take you to do on the island you wouldn't have time to do if you were on a cruise. Yeah. yeah. Snorkel, it, sure. You rent but, a Jeep and you yeah. got the island. Yeah. Like doing the, the road to Hana and the, the biking down Mount Haleakala at sunrise and stuff like that. You're just not going to run find time to do that. I mean, the road to Hana, if you take the whole road... It's going to take you eight to ten hours out of a day. Yeah, to travel a, a very short distance. Cruises you. are starter kits. Yeah, um, but you're not going to get you're not going to get deep on an island. But well, wait, hold on. If you're talking about going to uh, um, Saint Kitts or 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 um, I can't remember some of the other islands we've been to out there, Saint Martin and things like that. It's not to disparage those islands too much, but those are also places where if you did three days in St. Martin, you, by day two, you're like, I'm on a fucking island. <laughs> get me out of here. <laughs> right? That's different. You don't so, have to get very high to see the other side. Ah, man. It's just once you've gone to the, once you've gone down to the marketplace and so, you know, seen some of the old town, it's like, okay, the rest is just. I'm sure there's some so, places that are cruise worthy. Being that like, you know, you're talking about traveling and stuff, and uh, some things that I would, that I've gathered from what you would call old heads, what some may call old heads. Me. Yeah. And then I was talking to somebody about the other day. It was, it was James was actually talking to me about this too. I've heard you talk about it before, but uh, there's a lot of guys where like, you want to go hunt uh, Maine or not Maine. You want to go hunt Colorado, right? Get you one or two of the boys together. And then because people are like, ah, oh, no, I can't, you know, my wife won't let me. Take the wife with you. Yeah. Take the wife with you to Colorado. You got me, you, you know, say me, you, and Jim go to Colorado. We bring the wives. We go hunt. The wives go to town, do whatever they want. Go. And I was like, bro, how did I never think about Maybe crap you're like that? If you close enough like, to a town. That's what I was saying. Something James to do. James said him and his wa- his wife and uh his buddy's wife drove like two hours to go to town and hang That's out. To say and- that that it all the it's it's relative, and I I don't disagree with you. saying, but it's relative. That's like telling somebody if if Ocala was a, or places in Florida were a great destination to hunt. You're like, yeah, just bring your wife. You know, tell tell her to go to town. You're like, yeah, no, it's it's only like three hours to Orlando. Yeah, but they could go to Mount Dora. <laughs> Well, hold on. Go, 
I'll use I just because it's fresh and I just got back from Washington. Hypothetically, if we went and hunted in a small town in northern Washington, and a lot of those towns are still picturesque or they're they're kind of mountainy, um, and then you you get you had a, a hunter's car and then you had the wives' car. Let's say you got to have two cars, and just turn them loose to go explore town to town to town. And, and, and if they want, whether it's shopping or going out and having a couple of pops, whatever, they would not get bored. They wouldn't get bored just because doing the loop from town to town to town, they're going to see a lot of awesome shit. Right. Right. So pit, you, you might want, might not want to do that in Kansas. Yeah. <laughs> Great yeah. whitetail hunting, not a lot to explore. Yeah. Don't take your right to Kansas. We mentioned, I mentioned North Main Woods. You take them up there in October if the ladies like to do the leaf peeping and go see the country and go see the, the leaves change and then get to see wildlife, even though they're not interested in hunting, right. And get to see majestic rivers. Uh, I, th- I mean, if you were to go drive around up there, I mean, can you get bored? Absolutely. So go do something else. Go into a little town. They're not that far away. Right. Right. But if you can't find, if you can't cover, if you can't find yourself entertained for three days in the North Main Woods and the surrounding areas, then there's nobody can help you. You're, you're miserable <laughs> when you're home too. Yeah. So places like that in Western Colorado, I'm sure Montana, I haven't been there yet. Um, there's places in West Texas as flat as that places are that there's plenty of things for non-hunting people to do. The hard part is now if you start to throw more kids into the equation, mm-hmm. like, hey, yeah. I'm going out with the boys, and you and well, your, you and the ladies take the kids around. The kids may not appreciate it because their attention spans not yeah. long enough. But, but it's like we went to hunt cranes, like where we stayed in Lubbock, like in town. Yeah. Oh, there was, there was tons to do. Sure. In town for two days, three days. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's all we hunted for. Right. Like I said, man, the, the and I've said this before. It's one of the things that, as an older guy that I, I wish I did, and now it my heart aches for other young men um, who are with kids and, 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 and all the financial headaches that come along with that. I think the, the greatest barrier to doing these things is the fact that you just haven't drawn a line of them, set a date, got your boys, and said you're going to go. And, and, and let's face it, man, the idea of, wow, this might be expensive. Um, that is a big ask of the family. Well, what, it's not nearly as expensive as what you have it in your head. It's not. And, and if you're honest, in the way easiest way to do this, just track what you spend on a weekend anyway, right? Track how much money you spend just when you're not home, when you're working, you know, and chances are between maybe getting some pizza and all, you're spending the money anyway. So, that part is already baked in. In fact, you're probably going to spend less on food and shit in some of these places we go hunting because you're either stopping at the grocery store for sandwich meat or you're eating out of a gas station because there is no third alternative, right? Just go. Go see the country. It's not that expensive. Uh, It can be. You can make it that way, but that's... If you're just sitting home lamenting, oh, woe is me, you can do it. You guys got any any closing thoughts? Go. I was going to say, get your kids out, man. Uh, You know, we're coming up on 
I guess we'll have already taken Rollin out when this podcast comes out, but yeah. Hopefully he'll have to come in here and have a story to tell. Yeah. We're going to have uh, to coerce him into it, but. I don't think so. If you, you get that boy kills a deer, you won't get him to shut up. <laughs> uh, but <clears throat> uh, if if you're if you're that new hunter who's wanting to get into deer hunting and looking for advice and wanting to learn, uh, we've got several small game hunts coming up this year, starting December 2nd. So literally from the day we're recording, it's a month from the day we're recording this, which is today's November 2nd. <clears throat> no better way than to get your boots on the ground than to small game hunt. Mm-hmm. Literally. I mean, you're going out, you're killing stuff, and you're walking through the woods. So There's no excuse. Check the Under Outdoors page. We've got some events coming up. So UPO Nation. Well, we'll catch you. Oh, and I got a giveaway coming too for some stuff. Yeah, we're still working on that. No, I figured out how we're going to do it. I'll talk to you about it offline. Yeah? Yep. Yep. Shoot we'll you. catch you guys next week. Bye. Adios.